Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Uh, Before we get started reading the scripture, our ushers have some little pieces of paper. And I need for everybody in this room to take one of these pieces of paper. They're going to be giving them out. So take one piece of paper. I'll tell you what to do with it just momentarily. But take one piece of paper. Everybody in the room. Everybody in the room. While the guys are passing those out to everybody, you can open your Bibles to the New Testament. Two different places. One verse in each place. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Paul's letter to the Colossians, Ephesians and Colossians, Ephesians and Colossians, Ephesians and Colossians. I want to make sure everybody gets one of these pieces of paper. You'll need uh, a, something to write with, either a pen or pencil. If you don't have one in your pocket, there should be one on the back of the pew in front of you or near you. Don't write anything on it yet, but you will be writing something on it just momentarily. Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4 and Colossians chapter 3 is where we'll be reading in just a moment. Everybody up there got a piece of paper? You got a piece of paper up there, girls? Yep. Good. Ahmed, you got one? Good deal. All right. Good deal. Good deal. All right. Everybody down here got one? Almost. Also, while they're handing those out, let me share with you some prayer concerns. We have a couple of praises uh, Abby Woodall was in a, an accident this past week. Could have been a whole lot worse. She is just banged up a good bit. But we're grateful to God that she's okay and uh, spent a few hours in the emergency room out at Douglasville. And, uh, but she's okay. Sammy Murphy also was in an accident. I guess we wanted to keep it in the family uh, for this week. And uh, his looked pretty bad too, but he, although he's banged up, he's okay, I understand. So I want to praise the Lord for those two things. Um, Mike Laster will be uh, starting a new kind of chemo treatment. I saw him this past week. He looks great. If you saw Mike, you'd never know that he was undergoing any type of uh, cancer treatment at all. He look, just looks amazing. Uh, but so far, the cancer, while it has not spread, it has not diminished. And so we want to continue to remember Mike. Uh, Lawson Sayer, who is Lisa Sayer's dad, uh, we want to remember him. He's in uh, Christian City, uh, suffering from Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, Charlie Pace, Alzheimer's over in Benton Place in uh, Noonan. We also have Janet, uh, Janet Hurley's husband, Fred, there, recovering from surgeries. Carmel Thompson's mom, Jackie Calloway, is out there. And um, also Mike Exner's mom, Fran out there. Great place if you have ever been out there. It's not a place that you want to have to go and stay a while, 
But their motto is, we cart them in the back and we walk them out the front. I like that. I like that. If you're going to go to a rehab place, that's the motto you want, I believe. Cart me in the back, walk me out the front. I like that. So we want to pray for that. All right, yeah, everybody got a sheet of paper. Hold it up. Do you have it? Everybody got that sheet of paper and you got something to write with? On the bottom half of that sheet of paper, I want you to write a name. Don't do it yet. Write the name of a person who has hurt you, injured you, wronged you. Don't let anybody else see it. This is just confidential between you and this piece of paper. And the Lord, I don't want you to write it down. Think about it. Write a name. I want you to write a name on the bottom of that bottom half of that card. Write a name. Some of you are going to be able to write one immediately. And then others, you're having to think about it. Wow. What about I? Oh no. Think about a name. Write down the name of a person who has injured you hurt you, wronged you, write down his name, her name, that name. Write it down. Can't think of a name? Think harder. If you can't think of a name, think harder. You got a name. Write it down. Don't let anybody else see it. Yolanda wrote Ken's name down, I think. Uh, No, she didn't. She was pointing at him, but I think she was joking. Write down the name of a person who has injured you, hurt you, wronged you. Write it down. How many of you have not written down a name yet? Raise your hand. Write down a name. Write the name. Judy Baird, you write down a name. And don't you write down my name either. You write down a name. Hmm? You need another card? Thank you very much. All right. Girls, you write down a name up there? Did y'all write down a name? Good, good. Ahmed, did you write down a name? I'm talking to you, big guy. Did you write down a name, Ahmed? Write down a name. Once you write it down, fold it up. Just fold it up and, and clench it in your hand right there, okay? Hold on to it. I hope you wrote down a name. Most of us who are honest could write down more than one name, but just write down one name. You will not be showing this to anybody else. You'll not be turning it in to me or anybody else. This is between you and this piece of paper. All right? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, this is Paul writing to a group of churches, so this is instructions for the church. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And then Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And then he says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. All right? Now, I want us to take a look at this video right here. Danielle?
Forgiveness is all over the Bible. You probably already know that. In fact, it could be argued that you take out forgiveness and, and we might not even have a Bible, might not even need one. I mean, the whole Bible is God's story about how he wooed people to himself and we rebelled against God and he came up with the most creative ways to forgive us. The scriptures are about forgiveness. And yet, it's not uncommon for us to have uh, questions about forgiveness. Just like Peter did. Master, uh, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? He picked out a really good God number and probably thought he was hoping that Jesus would say, oh, that's too many. I know that's a God number, but that's too many. But instead, Jesus said 70 times seven. Not exactly what Peter was expecting. Peter had questions. We have questions. When do I forgive? Should I forgive? Is forgiveness a point in time? Done it. It's over with. I'm free kind of thing. Or is it a I've decided to do it and now it's the process that I need to work through kind of thing? When and how should I forgive? Should I forgive someone who hasn't apologized to me? I find it easier to apologize, to forgive people who've apologized to me. Do you? People who haven't apologized, I know I'm supposed to forgive them. I think I'm supposed to forgive them. And yet, uh, I have a harder time forgiving those. But the whole idea of having a problem forgiving someone, even someone who hasn't apologized to us, is really misguided because forgiveness, I want you to hear this, forgiveness is for the forgiver. It's for the forgiver. It helps the one who forgives. Now it helps the one who is forgiven as well. But it, it first and foremost helps the person who is doing the forgiving. Forgiveness, though, is hard. Do you find it hard to forgive sometimes, depending on how severe the offense is? I mean, if somebody just steals your chewing gum, that's pretty well. I can forgive that. I can even forget that. But somebody does something to me or to you, and it really is a deep, deep, deep cut. The deeper the cut, the harder it is, I think, for us to forgive Mary Fairchild is a missionary, and she says this. She says, forgiving someone who has severely injured us does not come easy for most of us. She says, our natural instinct is to protect ourselves when we've been injured. We don't naturally overflow with mercy and grace and understanding when we've been wronged. But she tells us, she says, we don't forgive based upon our feeling. In fact, do you hear that? So much of Christianity today, we have connected with feeling. And granted, there's a, there's an, a great element of feeling and emotion in uh, the acting out of our Christian faith. But Christian faith is based on faith, not feeling. We operate the Christian faith based on faith, not feeling. And faith requires obedience in spite of the feeling. Do you hear that? It requires obedience by faith, not the feeling. She says, Mary Fairchild again, we forgive by faith, not out of obedience, because, sinful, because forgiveness goes against our sinful nature. We must forgive by faith. Dr. Susan Whitbourne is a, has a PhD in 
uh, psychology. And she says this. She says, when you forgive someone, you make the choice to give up your desire for revenge, feelings of resentment. You also stop judging the person who caused you the hurt. Instead of revenge, resentment, and judgment, you instead replace those with generosity, compassion, and kindness. But boy, that's hard to do. And for some people, it's harder than others. Some people, it is their natural instinct to forgive. Some people are able to forgive naturally, both forgiving themselves, forgiving others, I guess. In some cases, even forgiving God, if they think God has done something that they didn't think he should have done. But for others, it's, it's not natural. It does not come easy. And, and for those of us who, for whom it does not come easy, we have to force ourselves to do it. I want you to hear this. There's been a lot of research, as you might imagine, about forgiveness, the impact of forgiveness on a person's life. There was a, uh, a study that was recently published by a psychologist, Lauren Toussaint, and some colleagues said this said, people who choose to forgive, even when it is hard, may benefit in ways they didn't anticipate. Namely, they tend to live longer. People who forgive tend to live longer. Lewis Smedes, one of my favorite writers, was out at uh, Fuller Seminary. He wrote a book called Forgive and Forget, and he said this, Get this, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Someone said this, you want to live a long, happy life? Forgive the unforgivable, for it is really the kindest thing you can do for yourself. Ann Landers once said, for unforgiveness and hate are like an acid. It damages the vessel in which it is stored and destroys the vessel on which it is poured. I tell you, the scripture says a lot about forgiveness. Foundationally, there are three things that I want to convey to you that the scriptures tell us about forgiveness. First of all, forgiveness originated in the heart of God. God is where forgiveness begins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It is in God's heart. It is in God's nature. It is in God's character to forgive. And that is where forgiveness solidly begins. Second, the scriptures tell us that forgiveness was displayed on the cross of Christ. It started in the heart of God and it was then displayed in the cross of Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, we saw God's forgiveness in innovative, creative, sacrificial to the hilt fashion. God, in giving his only begotten son, proved to us that he is indeed a forgiving God. But the third thing that the Bible tells us in no uncertain terms is not only does forgiveness originate in the heart of God, not only was it displayed on the cross of Christ, but third, forgiveness is expected of those who follow Christ. You and I are to be set apart from the world. That is, there, there is to be something about us that the world sees that distinguishes us from 
anybody else out in the world, one of those things is the amount of love that we show for people. And in conjunction with that love we show for people, the amount of forgiveness that we give, we offer, we send to people. Oswald Chambers said, the love of God was spelled out on the cross and nowhere else. The only basis for which God can forgive me, he says, is the cross of Christ. And what the scriptures tell us is that God's forgiveness of us, now I want you to hear this, is seriously linked to our forgiveness of others. First he says, God says in scriptures, we are to forgive as God forgave. Again, Ephesians 4.32, be forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Colossians 3.13, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Our forgiving of others is seriously and inseparably linked to God's forgiveness of us. You cannot separate those. I wish sometimes that I could. You cannot do it. It is not made to be separated. God's forgiveness of us is linked to our forgiveness of others. The second thing that you'll notice is that God forgives us to the same extent to which we forgive others. What? Do you remember when Jesus prayed the Lord's Prayer? Do you remember it? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. Most of us, myself included, wish that Jesus had just said, and forgive us our trespasses in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's the problem. Jesus did not stop there. Instead, he said this, and forgive us our trespasses just as we forgive those who trespass against us. Another version of it, Luke, and forgive us our debtors as we forgive those who owe debts to us. God's forgiveness of us is tied to our forgiveness of others. John Piper, the uh, Baptist pastor and, and uh, prolific Christian author said this. He says, the greatest risk we face as a church, the greatest risk we face as a church is not that we may lose an organ or that we may lose our money or that our churches may lose members or that we may lose staff or even that we may lose reputation. He said, the greatest risk is that we may lose heaven. This is John Piper. He says, because one way to lose heaven is to hold fast to an unforgiving spirit and by doing so, prove that we have never been indwelt by the spirit of Christ to begin with. So you're asking me, you say, Jimmy, if I hold to an unforgiving spirit, do I lose my salvation? No, according to John Piper, if I hold fast perpetually to an unforgiving spirit, it simply indicates that I never had the salvation I claim to have had to start with. Because being forgiving is a natural result of having been forgiven eternally. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 12. Our Father who art in heaven, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then he goes on to say this. He says, for if you forgive other people their transgressions, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive them, you, then your father will not forgive your transgressions. You see, forgiving others 
Yeah, it's a little bit for them, but it's more for the person doing the forgiving. You say, that's selfish. I don't care what it is. It's Scripture. When I forgive, I'm the one who benefits. I'm the one whose salvation shows. Yes, I I let the other person off the hook in terms of forgiveness. It doesn't mean I forget what they've done. We'll talk about that a little bit later. It doesn't mean that I put myself in a position to allow that same person to do the same thing to me again. That's not what I'm talking about. That would be foolish. But it does mean that I release them of my revenge, my desire for to, to hold on to the hurt. We're talking about forgiveness. So, do you have a name on the paper? Do you? Do you have a name on the paper? There's one more thing I want you to write on that paper. So open it back up. This is for you and you only, between you and the piece of paper. Above that name, I want you to write the words, I forgive. I forgive. Write them. Write them. I don't want you to misunderstand me here. My personal belief about forgiveness is you have to take steps. Some people believe that if I, if I uh, need to forgive someone, I forgive them point blank, point in time, and it's over with and I'm done. Uh, you can do that with some offenses, but with the deep, deep, deep ones, what I have found to be true is you, I, I must make the decision, a genuine, concrete decision to forgive. I make that decision, that's the first step, and then I need to work through the process of making that decision of reality. So I'm not expecting, please don't hear me saying that if I put I forgive and then that name, fold it back up, that I'm think I'm expecting you to say, I, I, will, I will never ever even have any cringe of anger if I hear this name again or see this person again. I'm not saying that, but this is the first step. This is the first step. Do you have a name? Do you have a name? And have you written, I forgive, above that name? How many of you have written, I forgive, above that name? How many of you? We're about to celebrate the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper includes broken pieces of unleavened bread and grape juice. The bread represents Christ's broken body on the cross and the juice represents his blood that he voluntarily shed so that we could be forgiven. So it's a symbol of God's forgiveness to us. But hear hear me again. God's forgiveness of us is inseparably tied to our willingness to forgive others. We don't forgive others in order to obtain salvation. That's That's getting it all twisted up. When we receive Christ and are forgiven, the natural result of true, of receiving true forgiveness from God is that we are willing to take the steps necessary to forgive other people. Now, I know, folks, I I, I didn't fall off of a turnip truck on my head uh, on a dirt road. I know that for some of you, the name that you put down is going to be 
much easier to forgive than for others. Some of you have written a name down there, and it took you, it took you some real thought to put the words, I forgive. In fact, you may have had to, to force yourself to, put, to letter by letter to put, I forgive. I know that. But as a symbol of a first step, before we take Lord's Supper, I want you to come put that name, fold it up, wad it up in this trash can. I'll wait for you. I was sitting here with my head down because I purposely didn't want to watch see who put what in the can. But I know some of you threw those in there harder than others. Yeah, some of it was just kind of a soft. And then I heard some that sounded like a spit wad hitting that thing at about 60 miles an hour. Nick Gary Wright and Andy Close, will y'all come up here to help us with Lord's Supper? Uh, Doyle Steele, would you come up here and help us? Uh, Neil, would you come up? William?
Jerry Watson, Jack Sims. Dennis Brightman, would you come up? Doug, you got up there? You got up there. You go over here, Dennis. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your forgiveness. You've done everything you need to do to forgive us. Our only response is to receive your forgiveness. And then once we receive your forgiveness, our natural response for having genuinely been saved is to offer forgiveness to others. Doesn't mean that it's easy. Doesn't mean that it will ever be easy. But it means that it must be. Lord, we're reminded this morning of that tough part of your word. There's so many tough parts, but that really tough part that says that you forgive us to the extent that we forgive others. And no matter how many times we'd like to erase that part of the Lord's prayer, no matter how many times we'd like to rebuff Paul when he said, forgive us, the Lord forgave you. It's there. It's just there. Lord, as we celebrate this supper, which we thank you for, we thank you for your forgiveness, and we thank you for your spirit that enables us to forgive. May we remember both sides of that as we take this bread and the drink of this cup. May we remember you forgave us. We must forgive. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Jesus forgave us. And Paul said, when you forgive, not if, but when, when you forgive, forgive as God forgave you. a time of invitation perhaps you're here and you've never invited Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord be a great time to do that great time you say well how can I do that well when we get up to sing just step out from where you are and come down here and let's talk we have some folks who can help you as you invite the Lord to be your Savior and Lord perhaps you're here and you're a Christian but you haven't been baptized. And that's the first thing that Jesus says he wants us to do. If you've already been saved and you'd like to come and join this church for baptism, we invite you to come. Maybe there's some other decision that you need to make. And you need to make it this morning. Maybe this person that you wrote down, this forgiveness that you took the first step in, maybe there's something else that you need to do with it this morning. I don't know. I... I, I, I don't know. It's all I can do to read my own heart, let alone anybody else's. You know what the Lord's leading you to do this morning. Let's stand up and sing and follow what he's leading you to do.